the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week, our focus was on the future shape of Ireland. In the first half of the show, we looked at the government's national planning framework and Athlone's bid to become a new regional city. In the second part, Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times takes us through the UK government's proposals to deal with the north-south border issue in Ireland post-Brexit. Before we begin, let me remind you that you can download the business podcast for free from iTunes and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. Now for the first part of the show, I was joined in studio by Irish Times Business Affairs correspondent Mark Paul, economist Jim Power and Athlone hotelier John O'Sullivan to discuss the government's plan for regional economic development and Athlone's push for city status. Great. Now, Mark Paul, we're going to start with you. Uh, Mark, you wrote a piece in Monday's paper outlining how Athlone has made a bid to be the new regional city if if such a, a thing is to come into being as part of the government's uh, proposal uh, for regional economic development. Maybe just uh, let's take a step back first and tell us a little bit about that government proposal for regional economic development. Well, the government is putting together a new um, spatial development plan. It's a, it's, it's a successor to the old national spatial strategy. Um, and it's a, it's a new plan uh, to run until 2040, a 20-year plan, and it's called a national planning framework. And it's currently at a sort of a consultation stage. There's, a, there's an initial draft of that with the cabinet. We expect some sort of a decision from them towards the end of the year, and then it'll go back out to consultation again. Now, as part of that, Simon Coveney, when he was the Minister for Planning and Housing, um, he indicated a desire um, to to promote more regional development, and 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 he indicated perhaps that they might try and develop some sort of a new city within the Midlands, um, and you know they, they would also focus on other centres, but 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 the Midlands in particular um, was one uh, where it was indicated uh, that it would be a new city, and Athlone um, 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 fancies its chances as being that new regional city for the Midlands uh, area. Now it's all under under the last spatial plan. Um, um, Athlone was linked up with Tullamore and Mullingar, the so-called ATM, the tri- triangle. Um, 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 uh, sort of, a, they had they had what was known as gateway status, and that was, um, um, you know, it was supposed to promote development and so on. It, it, but it never really worked. It was too spread out. There was no real fulcrum to the whole thing. So I think what Athlone is hoping for now is that they can make a push to be the, uh, uh, th- this new city in the Midlands that will hopefully attract government attention, government money, public money, and that in turn might spur. Uh, private investment and um, population growth and economic growth in that part of Ireland. John O'Sullivan, you're a hotelier in the region with the Hudson Bay Hotel, very well known to people around Ireland. And you're also uh, chairman of this Destination Athlone Committee that's been formed to push Athlone's bid for this new status. Why does Athlone want to be a city? Why why isn't it enough, let's say, to uh, be you know, what you are, which is essentially a very large town? And you're very close to Galway, which is already a, a city. Well, I suppose, uh, Kieran, uh, you know, no matter what sector you're in today, the the pace of change is is exponential, and you know, in order to survive and grow, you you have to. Uh, it's critical that you that that we all work together, and you know, the government are, you know, facilitating this by putting the correct policies in place. And our our objective is to you know leverage the the attributes of of the area. Athlone is is uh, is lucky in that it has all the uh, the critical attributes in in the area of 
education in the area of industry. We have we, we already have critical clusters of pharma, critical clusters of med tech, critical clusters of ICT. You know, we have tourism. Uh, it, it's it's one of the like with the Lakelands. It's one, it's one of the major tour, tourist attractions in Ireland, and it's probably the best kept secret. And probably more importantly, it, the, the quality of life shows that, you know, you can attract, Ireland is no longer a, a low-cost employment centre, so you, you, you have to attract, um, you know, high-paying uh, foreign direct investment that will, will pay high wages, and in, in that way you're, you're, you're attracting a high disposable spend into the area, and the those people that come to work then, they, they demand a quality of life that Athlone is in a position to offer them. So, but they, why Athlone over, let's say, Sligo? Because Sligo has been mentioned as well as a possible new city in Ireland or indeed, you know, some other location on the Western Seaboard. We pulled in Future Analytics, uh, Professor Willem Hines, um, uh, to, to study this because the... the, 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 uh, the National planning framework. They, they were they were very specific in saying that any submissions were to be based on you know data based evidence, and so we we pulled in future analytics and uh, MOLA architecture, and Sean O'Leary who's been involved in similar Sean O'Leary from MOLA architecture has been involved in similar uh, measures to this in other European locations. And uh, Professor William Hines and in, in Future Analytics, um, they, they got together and they came up with the with, with the actual facts. And Athlone has uh, in in <clears throat> within a within a within a one hour uh, drive of Athlone at the moment, there are 370,000 people. And you know this this is the third largest centre of population in Ireland after Dublin and Cork. So you know the the obvious choices for 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 to create to create a balance. We we have to the, the entire um, population of Ireland is migrating into Dublin and the East Coast, and you have to create a balance to that. And the obvious yeah. the obvious ways that it's going to go is Waterford, Cork, Limerick, uh, and Galway. But that leaves three hundred and seventy thousand people in the middle. Uh, and you know, are they going to drive to Limerick? Are they going to drive to Waterford? And certainly, uh, with with the congestion there is in Dublin, you, you don't want them driving into Dublin. So, Athlone has the the people. It has the East West Motorway. It has the the infrastructure for high speed rail links. It has the natural okay. gas. I'm going to bring Jim Parr in at this point. Actually, maybe uh, Jim, um, let's just talk a little bit about this um, this this notion of economic balance, if you like. How much of the economy does Dublin currently account for, and how would that uh, equate, let's say, how would that compare to other European countries? It's just over 40% of gross value added in the economy and is roughly, the Greater Dublin area is roughly 40% of the population. Right. How so, does that compare, let's say, with other countries, uh, other European countries? Uh, not exactly out of line. I mean, the South East and London would have a pretty similar um, contribution to uh, the UK economy but then when you move into bigger countries you know like France or even the United States uh, it tends to be more diluted more dispersed so the smaller the country is the more economic activity mm. tends to migrate towards the so capital So is there a sound but, argument for regional economic development uh, in Ireland? 
I think this is an absolutely magnificent idea, I have to say. Um, I believe that the notion that we can continue to just grow Dublin to infinity, um, given the sort of problems we now have on the M50, given the sort of problems we have with the whole transport infrastructure around Dublin, um, I think creating a counterbalance is a really good idea. And, you know, I have been involved in regional economic development stuff in small towns around the country and I always go in and argue, listen, you're not going to get a big multinational coming to a little village in rural Waterford or wherever. What you've got to do is create centres of population, centres of economic activity um, in, well, I would I would say Waterford, wouldn't I? Uh, but Cork, Limerick, Galway um, and I think the North West, probably Sligo. But I also think Athlone has so much going for it in terms of... We, yeah. we, we already have five cities in the Republic. Six, if you include Kilkenny. Yes. I know there's a technical thing about Kilkenny, but let's say six, right? Why do we need a new one? Uh, well, why not? I mean, if you look at what Athlone has, for example, it's less than an hour from Galway, just over an hour from Dublin. Um, it has the Shannon flowing through, so it's, it's a beautiful place. Um, we've had seen major tourism investment in stuff like Athlone Castle. Um, you have the whole Coosan area out around the Hudson Bay. All of that stuff is incredibly... It's, it's a lovely place. It oh, really I don't doubt it's a lovely place. Yeah. So, you you so, have argued on but, this podcast before yes. that the Cork-Limerick corridor, maybe stretching as far as, as Galway, was the, was the natural uh, counterbalance well, to Dublin. Yes, I don't think it's a case of just at loan. Um, I think the whole regional development strategy has got to look at, you know, a, a road link, for example, from Limerick to Cork. That has to happen. Connectivity is the key to regional economic development. Um, and in fact, at loan is really in an advantageous position in that regard because it already has superb connectivity as in the motorway that goes from Galway to Dublin. So it's right in the middle of the country. Um, you know, the, in the report that, was, um, that Mark wrote about in the Irish Times on Monday, uh, they were talking about Athlone becoming a destination for um, a hub for life sciences and for technology firms. Um, and I think that's great. It's a great idea because there is going to have to be an overflow out of Dublin. And this isn't suggesting for one moment that development stops in Dublin. It mm. can't. It won't. It's the capital city. It will continue to drive. Mm. But we need to keep create okay. counterbalances. And I think what about this argument really about us having well. we have finite resources, we have a small population. Uh, maybe we should be concentrating on a couple of key areas. A couple, you know, Dublin uh, is I, obviously I, one. I, I actually don't buy that argument whatsoever, because the more you concentrate economic activity in a couple of small areas, the more expensive it is going to become, the more congestion you're going to get. House prices are going to rise, as as we know in Dublin at the moment. You create all these sorts of bottlenecks um, that will ultimately choke the city that you're trying to grow. So I think balanced regional economic development is vitally important. And I say this as somebody who grew up in rural Ireland and returned there a lot. And every time I go back, you know, you get depressed by the depopulation, by the lack of young people, the lack of economic vibrancy. So it, it's fine. If you want to create just an economy revolving around one or two areas, great. I wouldn't want to live in a country like that. Um, I think balanced regional economic development socially and economically is incredibly important. Um, and I think the whole quality of life argument has to be a key driver in this regard. So for at loan, going back to what this is all about, um, the connectivity is fantastic. As I say, you know, it's, it's roughly halfway between Dublin and Galway, 
roughly an hour to each destination. So that gives Athlone good access to Dublin Airport, for example. So in terms of the whole connectivity argument, Athlone stacks up very well. And um, Well, is there not yeah. a danger then? That, let's say Athlone does become this uh, new city. Is there not a danger that, let's say, the northwest gets left behind? Well, as I said, it's not a case of Athlone and nothing else. Um, I think we've got to look at developing other population hubs around the country. And as I said, I think the Northwest um, does need one and it's probably Sligo. So you could create a sort of a triangle between um, Galway, Athlone and Sligo. Um, you, down in okay. uh, down in the in the in the southern part of the country, you can create a triangle between, say, Limerick, Cork, and Waterford. So you create these triangles and hubs of economic activity, um, and I think ultimately mm. we would all be much better off as a consequence of that sort of policy. Mark, are, are there other issues which might hamper Athlone or other um, parts of Ireland from being designated as a new city within within the country? Well, 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 Athlone, you know, if you accept the argument that the government is going to push for some sort of a city in the Midlands, well, then it's a case of is it going to be Athlone or is it going to be somewhere, somewhere else in the Midlands? Now, one thing that Athlone, you know, I lived in Athlone for years. It's a fine place. But one thing it does have running against it strongly is the danger of flooding. Um, Athlone floods regularly it flooded last year it flooded in 2015 and it flooded really really badly now they've tried to address that in their bid um, to, to the national planning framework um, Sean O'Leary who, who John mentioned there come up with the idea of, of what he termed an urban forest in Athlone by planting on the floodplains apparently I don't know much about the science of this but apparently if you plant trees on floodplains you can suck up the water um, and, and, and you also turn it into some sort of a feature a sort of a city garden type of a feature you put greenery right in the middle of the city. But that's something that Athlone would have running against it, I think. Now, the, the alternative to Athlone in the Midlands um, um, and, and, and one that's been pushed previously is Port Leash. Um, Port Leash might be somewhere that would fancy its chances um, against Athlone. But again, Port Leash wouldn't have the clusters of economic and industrial activity that, that Athlone has. Athlone has Ericsson. Athlone has mm-hmm. Jazz Pharmaceuticals. I mean, Port Leash is effectively a suburb of Dublin now, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's, and, and look, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much much beyond an hour to reach uh, to reach. Athlone either. I mean, there are some people still mad enough to drive from Athlone to Dublin and commute and, and, and good luck to them. Um, but, um, so, you know, Athlone, it, it isn't a slam dunk for Athlone for sure. It's not a slam dunk. And they've also been talking about this for a long time. I went, I took one year out of college um, uh, back in 2000, and two, 2000, 2001 and I lived in Athlone for a year. And back then they were talking about city status when they were, uh, when, when, when they were talking about the national spatial strategy. They were pushing for it then. They've always pushed for it. Um, and there's only a population of about 21,000 at the moment in Athlone itself. Um, 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 uh, so, you know, look, th- there's work to do for Athlone on this. Um, they'll fancy their chances, but as I said, Port Leash might as well. Yeah. John, if Athlone is to become a city, do you need a university there? I know you have an Institute of Technology uh, right now, for example. Do you need a university? Do, you know, what, what does Athlone need, if you like, to sort of step up to the plate as a city? Well, I, I think... Um in terms of of of, of the college, uh, the most important thing is that the college continues uh, to deliver, uh, you know, ready qualified graduates for for industry, and it's it's already doing that. And uh, you know wh- whether I I'm no expert now whether that demands university status or <clears throat> whether it can be managed without that, but. <clears throat> the end result is what matters, and that 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 we continue to produce, uh, you know, yeah. a, a pipeline of 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 
employees for the foreign direct investment that we're that we're trying to attract. But just just one thing that I'd like to to mention there is with regard to the flooding. Uh, there was not a lot made about the flooding in Athlone, and I don't want to make light of it either because there were an awful lot of uh, poor, unfortunate people whose houses were flooded. But th- th- there wasn't one street in Athlone uh, saw even a cup full of water. There wasn't one factory in Athlone that all their employees uh, didn't get to work. There wasn't one major road in Athlone blocked. The flooding in Athlone is confined to the low-lying uh, uh, lands. Mm. I should tell you, John, uh, Mark Paul is shaking his head here in disagreement with what you just said. I think probably uh, to do with the, the flooding of some roads. No, no, no I, I, I just, I, I think I, rem- I remember seeing photographs from uh, uh, from the area that showed... Did, was there not significant flooding in and around the Coosan area, uh, John? No, not around the Coosan area, but where, where the flooding was... Or Munsland, on the Ross Common side. In the, well, again, but, but, but not anywhere close to Athlone. We'll say, where, where I live myself, um, close to the Shannon, uh, the, the, there was flooding. and um, But th- there was no roads in the town. There was no roads uh, in the industrial areas. Mm. The, the, there, there's, there's quite a lot of I would call floodplain in Athlone where where where, where housing ha- has been built, yeah. and it was in well. Look Rome. anyway, uh, Athlone it's not unique. Uh, Athlone isn't unique in terms of flooding Cork as that flooding in various parts of Tipperary have had problems with flooding in in the past. But John, can I just ask you, what's to stop Athlone right now uh, trying to develop clusters of industries uh, in uh, you know in partnership, let's say with the IDA or other state agencies? Why do you need city status? I I don't think there's anything here on to be quite honest with you. And I think that provided that, uh, you know, the, the significant raison d'etre of uh, Destination Athlone was to, to bring about uh, uh, collaboration between the major stakeholders, because historically, even though Athlone was at the centre, it, it has suffered from peripherality in the sense that all of the, the forces were looking outwards. You know, the, the people on the east side of the Shannon were looking towards Dublin. The people on the west side of the Shannon were looking towards Galway. And nobody was looking towards the centre. And uh, what, 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 what's come about is that all of the major stakeholders are now working together in collaboration. And uh, I think that provided we continue to do that, uh, it's going to happen anyway for Athlone. And the only difference will be that uh, if we're fortunate enough to get the designation and whatever benefits uh, come with that, it will happen in half the time. Right, OK. Um, Jim, sorry, you want to come in? Yeah, I just got, going to say, um, I mean, what you're talking about here, uh, based on what future analytics are saying, is growing at loan from a population of 21,000 people at the moment, roughly double that by 2040. You're not exactly talking about an explosion. You're not talking about creating another Dublin in Athlone. So that sort of growth and development... Well, is it going to make any difference? Because uh, the population is uh, yes, it, it, predicted it, it, to grow it, anyway yes, it, across it, the country. It, it is going to make a difference because if, if you can create it as a serious hub of economic activity, mm. I mean, the city... or Sorry, well, it's a town at the moment, but if it becomes a city, well, as a town as well... It can actually develop away from the Shannon. You know, the development does not have to happen and obviously shouldn't happen in the floodplains. Um, if you go west from, sorry, east from Atlone, for example, 
um, you're moving further away from the floodplains. Well, 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 east from Athlone, you come along by Athlone Institute of Technology there on the old Dublin Road. And I lived right across mm. from the college in, in an area known as Willow Park. And, and John would know Willow Park well, I'm sure. Um, every, 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 and, and every, every young person in Athlone would know it. But a couple of years after I left college, Willow Park, which is a huge area, a residential area, that flooded really, really, really badly uh, in Athlone. So I think, I think floods did come in. Um, didn't, didn't Willow Park flood? Um, um, yeah, there was a river, there was a river Al, uh, which, which again hadn't been looked after and, and was, was um, blocked up with, with, with mm. various stuff. Now, so in other words, th- there's quite a lot of work to be done. But okay, again, well, it's probably not beyond the wit of man to solve the uh, flooding problem, but uh, a bigger problem here, Jim, might be around the implementation of this uh, framework. The government, uh, first of all, has to produce it. Um, and secondly, they have to implement it. Now, we had a national spatial yeah. strategy, which Mark talked about before. It was a rather ambitious uh, programme some years ago. It was in the Fianna Fáil uh, time in government and it never it never came to fruition. Yeah, and I, I often go back and revisit the national spatial strategy. And in theory, I think it was a fabulous document. Um, you know, it, it laid out... Not just saying as a, it was a fabulous document. Yeah. But, you know, there's lots of fabulous documents <laughs> exactly. clogging up government shelves. Exactly. But it was a good plan and unfortunately, largely for reasons of um, economic crash after 2008, mm. um, it was blown totally off track. Uh, but also... But but sorry, also, also of that Mark, document, Jim, was that there were too many of these uh, gateways, that it wasn't focused enough. Yeah, you could certainly that was one criticism. But the, the biggest problem with the National Spatial Strategy was that when the decentralization plan was picked out of the air by Charlie McCreevy, um, it was totally inconsistent with what the National Spatial Strategy was all about. Um, and that was one of the biggest problems. And at that stage, the National Spatial Strategy, from a political perspective, lost all credibility. Mm. And then the economic crash happened and mm. it was blown off track. But just because um, we've had failures before in this regard doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking forward at, at trying to get it right. And if the National Planning Framework does get it right, um, I think we we will get another blueprint for more balanced regional economic development. And, and let's face it, you know, elements of the national spatial strategy have actually worked. You know, we've seen on, growth. In, we've seen growth in Cork. We've seen growth in Limerick. If the plans for Limerick at the moment come to fruition, you know, Limerick is going to be a serious player over the coming years. And a lot of these sorts of initiatives were originally frameworked in the yeah. National Spatial Strategy. But we have a minority government in place. We ah, have yeah. a well-known history of parish pump politics in this uh, country. And what are the chances of a minority government getting this kind of ambitious uh, programme through? Yeah, I suppose there's probably a greater chance that Kilgarvan will get city status. That's, that is the problem. Um, but that's the problem of policy making in Ireland full stop. Yeah. Um, the nature could, of our... Could I, could I say John. something there, Kieran, in, in the sense that uh, I think what's, what, what maybe I might be putting across clear enough here is that this isn't about Athlone uh, in itself. This is about the region, and the region includes Roscommon, it includes Mullingar, it includes Tullamore, it includes Burr, it, 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 you know, it includes uh, Ballinasloe. So what I think was wrong with the with the previous uh, <coughs> with the previous spatial strategy was that. It set those towns against one another, as distinct from incentivizing them to work together. And what what this what this plan what what our submission sets out to do is to bring about growth for the region, not just for Athlone, 
but for for the entire region. So we, we're setting about creating a cohesive region of scale which will have 500,000 people and which will attract foreign direct investment and all of the and tourism and uh, all of the other critical uh, critical areas of growth into the region so in other words it 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 sh- it should not it will not and it should not be political at all because everyone benefits and john finally uh, you produced your document where does it go from here now i mean do you get an opportunity to actually make a a pitch face to face to government or to to officials well i i would be hopeful yes um we have we have future analytics uh, and more lined up to to uh, to to you know to make uh, further uh, fine tuning or whatever if 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 that's how it it's uh, happening but uh, I I I don't know Kieran is the answer you know. Yeah, and John as well. Finally, finally, if you like, um, Athlone straddles Roscommon and Westmeath. Um, are you at it uh, in terms of uh, the future of Athlone or, or what the future should be? Oh, absolutely. That 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 is one of the major achievements of Destination Athlone is that we have um, we have County Roscommon, the County Manager from Roscommon. Deputy County Manager from Roscommon, the County Manager from Westmead, and the Manager for the Town of Athlone. We have them all sitting around the table at this Destination Athlone uh, Steering Group, all working together to bring about this common objective. All right, we'll see how it plays out. My thanks to Mark Paul, Jim Parr and John O'Sullivan. We'll take a short break now when we return. I'll be joined in studio by Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times to talk about Brexit and the Irish border. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Now, welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Let me remind you that you can download this podcast for free from iTunes, and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. I'm joined in studio now by Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times to discuss Brexit and the UK's proposals to deal with the north-south border in Ireland. Uh, Cliff, everybody's been wondering what's going to happen in terms of the border situation, how we're going to deal with this whole issue of trade, especially with the UK leaving the Customs Union. And we had the referendum more than a year ago now at this stage, but finally the UK government has delivered some proposals, has put some proposals on the table. Tell us what's in them. Yeah, after them, uh, strangely enough, we're probably not a lot wiser about how this is going to, uh, how this is all going to pan out because there's a central contradiction, which is that Britain still wants to leave the customs union, uh, which is the part of the EU agreement which allows free trade in goods. But at the same time, it's saying it doesn't want any border of any any notice of kind on the Irish part, which seems like a contradiction. Absolutely. So, and, and and the document today doesn't solve this. From a political point of view, it will be welcome for the Irish government in, insofar as um, Britain says, first of all, uh, that it is against the reimposition of any kind of hard border on the island and that it wants it to be as frictionless as possible. And that phrase, as possible, is used throughout the, the document, which obviously, you know, suggests that there will be extra costs for business or, or there may yeah. be. The, the other thing I think that the Irish government will welcome, even though this is still, you know, very tricky in terms of negotiation, is that Britain is saying, OK, we will leave the EU customs union 
Uh, but we would like to, one option we would like to explore is to agree a new customs union between Britain and the EU. Now, depending on the terms of that, um, that could that could mean that border controls weren't needed or certainly weren't needed on the scale that you know would be the case if there wasn't a customs union. But there are you know very significant difficulties uh, in negotiating you know in, in negotiating that kind of agreement. And of course, that take to years. Do. Absolutely, would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so what's what's the EU's response been to date, and what what have the Irish government been saying? Well, the Irish government, I think, publicly are welcoming these proposals uh, in, in the sense that they give a hint an indication of Britain's thinking on the issue, you know, for the first time, uh, in, in the same way as they welcomed the customs document, uh, which Britain published on Earlier Monday. this week, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And what they're saying is, look, we're going to examine these documents. Uh, we're part of the EU, EU negotiating team. Uh, the two sides are going to sit down, uh, you know, in, in, in very shortly to resume negotiations. And a very important decision has to be made by October, which is whether enough progress has been made on, on three key issues to allow the substantive talks on future trade agreement to be to be uh, uh, to be commenced. And the, and the three issues are Irish issues, which is what's dealt mm. with in today's paper, uh, the EU exit bill or Britain's EU exit bill, how much money it's going to have to pay when it leaves, and the mutual rights of citizens, so the rights of UK citizens living in the EU and EU citizens. And vice versa, yeah. yeah. Now, one of the solutions that we thought to this border issue that might be employed was the use of technology. Mm. Certainly, the British government had kind of indicated there might be some yeah. way of using technology, CCTV cameras, etc., to police the border mm. uh, in a manner that wouldn't involve uh, long queues or checkpoints and so on. But there doesn't really seem to be much mention of that in the, in the paper released today. Yeah, there, there was some mention of it in, uh, in, in the paper on the Customs Union uh, yesterday, but, but, but less today. Really, the vision uh, that, that Britain has, it, it, the paper today says two things. First of all, we could, we could have a new customs deal with the EU, which might make a border unnecessary or largely unnecessary. If there isn't one, it says here are various ways in which we believe trade could operate more freely. So, for example, it says, look, a lot of the companies trading north-south are effectively small businesses, you know, businesses in the south selling to the north, businesses in the north selling to the south. Uh, there's trade in, in, in a lot of trade in uh, pigs going from one part of the country to the other. A lot, of trade, a lot of trade in milk so from forth, the north yeah. to the south, all that. And that those bits of, the, of economic activity, if you like, the paper says don't have implications for anyone else in the EU mm. uh, and therefore could be allowed to continue pretty much unhindered and that there could then be some system in place for big uh, for, for big companies where they register beforehand uh, and, and there are you know various controls uh, perhaps that would kind by of be technology. an honours based system almost it would and it, yeah. it does it it does sound like there would be a lot of uh, a lot of working out in this. Uh, it does sound like it would be a kind of a charter for smugglers, and it does sound to me like something that the EU would find it very hard to uh, sign up to. One of the really key points is going to be this one: Britain wants to negotiate new trade deals with other countries like the US, Brazil, Argentina, New Zealand, or whatever after it leaves the EU. So, a big question: if there is no physical border on the island of Ireland, is okay? Goods come from the US into Britain. The rest of the EU will not want the Irish market being used as a backdoor for those goods to come into Europe. That is going to be a really big issue, particularly for agricultural products. Now, the paper kind of makes some suggestions about how you might get around that. There could be special tracking of these uh, products. Uh, there could be you know, a system of penalties and a system of repayments put in place. 
even the even the Brit, even Britain themselves, even London itself, is are, are conceding that this hasn't been tried anywhere before and is likely to be very complicated. And it sounds like a bit is of this a kind well of it sounds like a bit of a heat that that bit sounds like a bit of a Heath Robinson kind of solution. I, I have to say to the, to the whole problem. Okay, you've read the paper. Does it yeah. does it read to you as if it, this has been well thought through, or is it simply? the Brits putting something on the table because they're under pressure from the EU to actually produce. Yeah, I, th- I think it's Britain putting something on the table, uh, first of all, uh, because they've been they've been hit all over the place with accusations. They aren't ready. They haven't got their plans. They can't agree yeah. among themselves. I think the other thing it shows is the split in the British cabinet and an attempt to kind of try and keep both sides of the British cabinet on board. So, for example, if you wanted to solve this problem or at least make it easier for a few years, you would say, OK, Britain will stay in the customs union for a transition period or maybe we'll stay in the customs union in, in the long term. But the pro-Brexit side are unwilling to sign up for that, mm. principally because it would really constrain them from, from, from making new trade deals with other countries, which you know is the great new, mm. seen as a great new future for Britain. And therefore, they've come up with this kind of Half in, half out idea where they where they'll be out of the EU customs union, but would try and negotiate a new customs union with the EU. It just sounds, mm. it sounds complicated. It sounds. There's also a harsh reality. And it also sounds it also something that would take four or five years, I would think, to negotiate. There's also a harsh reality to this that there's something like 300 border crossings, and no yeah. matter what technology you employ or how many boots yeah. you put in the ground, it's going to be almost impos- practically impossible to police it effectively. Yeah, I mean, I and think, with, you know, history has shown that, hasn't it? It has indeed, and I think. Um, this document is effectively saying, you know, asking the EU to turn a blind eye to a lot of a lot of trade and a lot of small trade that would go on across mm. the border. I mean, we, which they may be prepared to do because of the peace a, process. Up to a point, up to a point, but there is this this crunch issue of, of uh, you know, goods coming in from uh, outside the uh, the EU. The crunch crunch issue of the integrity of the goods borders in the EU single market. This isn't just an issue for Ireland. This is an issue for our, for all of mm. Europe, if you like. What about duty free? I mean, will Northern Ireland become a duty free zone for shop? in the Republic? It could if Britain were to leave the uh, customs union uh, and that would be an issue for certainly be an issue for, uh, for for border traders in Ireland. That could blow a big hole in our exchequer it could. finances. It I could. mean if tobacco yeah. products and alcohol products which are heavily taxed yeah. if people are able to slip across the border sure. and stock up yeah. uh, you know at, by avoiding the taxes I mean that could sure. be pretty damaging for Pascal Dunne. It could and it has been in the past crunching. it has been in the past of course uh, you know uh, in, in, in previous times, uh, you know, it has been a big issue for the Irish Exchequer and could be in, could be in the future as well. Yeah, and obviously having a border always presents opportunities for smuggling, doesn't it, and it for does. criminal intent. It does. I mean, we had the old system before where there were border checks on what were called approved roads. So there was so many approved crossings and a couple of hundred others that vehicular traffic wasn't meant to move on at yeah. all. And of course, in the dead of night, diesel, drink, cows, whatever, you know, moved back and forward across the border and people made small amounts of money out of it. And, you know, that is what we will be looking at again if if there are different regimes on both sides of the border. There's, there's no question of that. The, the question is, I suppose, are... Are, are Europe prepared to turn something of a blind eye to it? And what about this issue of the common travel area? Because it's not just about being able yeah. to travel forwards and backwards, uh, you know, without having to show your passport. It's also about the right to work, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah, which is much more important. And I suppose the British market has been traditionally, maybe you could say a safety valve for Ireland. So in times of high unemployment, people have gone to work in London, Liverpool, Manchester, Glasgow, or, or wherever. Uh, so apart from the political and social links, I guess it's important economically for Ireland that that, that continues. 
there's a very strong statement and this is something the Irish government will welcome I th- and I think something which will be dealt with early in the negotiations because it can be sorted perhaps there's a very strong statement in today's paper that Britain wants to continue that pretty much as it is uh, it's existed since the 1920s it has it? Uh, most of it predates the EU Some so, uh, there's a bit of a mix there between EU rights and more recent rights and, and original rights and it's hard the paper says to kind of unmesh them all but basically uh, the proposal is that Irish people will continue to uh, to be free to go and work in, in, in the UK mm-hmm. and, and vice versa and also to qualify for welfare entitlements, health entitlements and all those kind of things that, mm-hmm. if you like, locals would... How are the, the Spanish the or the Poles or the German? How are they going to feel about that? Yeah, the, well, I, I suppose given that it's a historical... Um, given that it's a historical agreement that predates the EU uh, and given the context of the peace process, I think, you know, I, I, I think politically it'll be OK. I think the goods issue will be bigger but there is one thing that would have to be sorted in terms of the common travel area um, because Britain will is likely to want to put um, quotas on the number of people coming from elsewhere in Europe uh, and obviously people could come from Europe to Ireland and then go into Britain if there isn't checks now that may it can probably be solved by having checks in the workplace or checks when people apply for entitlements or welfare or whatever in the UK rather than border checks but that is one thing that has to be worked out mm. before the okay. whole common travel area. Finally, Cliff, um, one thing is clear. Whatever systems are in place, you know, whenever uh, mm. post sort of March 2019, there's going to be a cost involved Absolutely. In, in all of this. Who's yeah. going to pay the bill? Well, uh, the British government's going to pay a lot of the bill because uh, there's going to be new, uh, whatever system comes in place, there's going to be new customs arrangements, new border controls. Uh, there will be a cost as well on the on the Irish Exchequer and there'll mm. be a cost on Irish businesses because... Do we have any sense of that cost? I don't think we do, no. Uh, and certainly I think the government have been playing a cagey enough game because they don't want to be seen to concede that a border is going to come into place and look at how it would cost because their position at the moment is we want no border. So they're not going to start coming out with costing. So no, we don't. But there is going to be a cost in Irish businesses because at the moment, uh, exporting to Britain, uh, no customs declarations needed, exporting to the north or importing. Uh, so supply chains are going to be changed and there's just going to be this new bureaucratic cost for businesses. And also a very significant issue talking to Irish business people, they're worried about goods that currently go through the UK to the EU by road, uh, by road. Uh, the land bridge, the so-called land bridge. Is that going to be clear after Brexit? Is it going to be blocked? Are mm. there going to be queues? Are there now, there are precedents situation? there because Switzerland and Italy, for yeah, example, absolutely. have a border and they seem to be able to get around it. G- given goodwill in the rest of the negotiations, that should be sortable, but goodwill uh, may yet be in short supply. Okay. Cliff Taylor, thank you for that. We leave it there for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Mark Paul, John O'Sullivan, Jim Parr and Cliff Taylor. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with Rob O'Sullivan as sound engineer. Let me remind you that this podcast is available to download for free from iTunes and you'll also find it on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed each day on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.